Hey everyone, and welcome to the Homicide Homegirls podcast, a true crime podcast examining the true crime cases that fascinate and intrigue us. I'm Arielle. And I'm Amanda. Thanks Thanks for for joining us. We can't wait to share the details of this wild episode with you. Welcome back, listeners, and happy Wednesday. Hey, guys. So today I don't have much of an introduction. I'm kind of boring today. (laughs) Um, But today we're going to talk about the mysterious death of Michelle O'Connell out of St. Augustine, Florida, which occurred on September 2nd, 2010. Mm-hmm. And St. Augustine, Florida is in St. John's County. Okay. This is our second St. Augustine case. Yeah. Martha Jean Lambert was also yeah. and St. Augustine. The reason I labeled it Mysterious Death is, like, you'll see. Because it wasn't ruled Mysterious Death. Mm-hmm. I chose to title it that way. Right. And it's uh, like, you'll see. Let it all unfold. Yeah. All right. So. Let's go. Michelle O'Connell was the youngest sibling of six and was described to be athletic. Mm -hmm. Her sister described her as fun-loving and outgoing and was known to embrace life. Mm -hmm. As a teen, Michelle had some anger issues and depression, but her record showed that with medication and counseling, she thrived. Um, I don't think it was, like, much of an issue. I think Mm -hmm. it's probably your typical teen troubles yeah um so michelle was a single mother uh at the time of her death to a four-year-old daughter named alexis or lexi for short and michelle also worked at a daycare center okay just before her death she had been promoted to a full-time position at the daycare which was her dream job okay so michelle and jeremy had been dating for about a year um His name was Jeremy Banks. He was a police officer for St. John County, St. John's County Sheriff's Office. Okay. Uh, Michelle's mom was kind of excited that she was dating a police officer. Mm -hmm. She thought that maybe her daughter thought he was going to protect her. Mm. But as the relationship grew, things started to change. Mm -hmm. Around the time that Michelle moved in with Jeremy, Michelle's family began to notice that he became disrespectful and controlling. And that Michelle didn't really come around as much. Yeah. So it's like red flags. Yeah. Like a bouquet of red flags. Not just one. Like like you just get that bad feeling. And like you know when people just start being absent more. Right. When they previously weren't. Yeah. Um, Michelle's family believed their relationship became physically abusive. Mm. And Michelle's mother recalls a time where Jeremy became rough with her, mm. became rough with Michelle. Mm-hmm. Um, the two were playing around. They were in the ki- in in Michelle's mom's kitchen, and the two were playing around. But Jeremy took it too far when he slammed Michelle on the <gasps> ground, as if he were trying to like subdue or detain her. And he did this in front of her mother. Yeah. Ooh. And then, like, when Michelle voiced that he had taken it too far, he basically dismissed her feelings and was like, "Oh, come on, I'm not hurting you." I wonder if he, like, flashed out, like, you know, like, PTSD type thing. Like, people who've been in, in Afghanistan, you yeah. know, like, they'll, something will trigger him. Maybe, he, I don't know, he, like, flashed out Maybe. or whatever and was, like, thinking he really was in the field, you know? Yeah. I'm not trying to m- make excuses for him because there is no excuse, but uh, I'm just saying. Yeah, but, I mean, as far I mean, I could totally be wrong, but, like, with law enforcement, the only kind of trauma that you have, I feel like, is from seeing things mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily like an Afghan, like a yeah. soldier type right. PTSD, but I could be wrong. Yeah. And another time, Michelle called her sister regarding Jeremy putting his knee on her stomach and pressing down hard. 
and Michelle oh told God. her sister that she was bleeding. And her sister Chrissy told her that she's going to call an ambulance, and Michelle begged her not to, like saying, you know, that if she did, um, it would cause more trouble for her. How was she bleeding? I don't, her stomach, I don't know. That's weird. Um, according to www.stopvaw.org, which stands for Stop Violence Against Women, mm-hmm. some studies have indicated that women in about 40% of police officer families experience domestic violence. Oh, wow. And very seldom do you see an officer arrested or charged with domestic battery mm-hmm. abuse. Um, and if they are, the chances of them being prosecuted are even slimmer because right. those prosecutors form a relationship with the police officers. Like, why would they want to... Especially if you live in that district. Like, right. Like, you work in the district. Or if the crime, like the domestic battery was in the district that Where you work. Where you work, yeah. right. Um, you got to think that these prosecutors that depend on these officers for their cases. Mm-hmm. So why would a pro- prosecutor want to tarnish that relationship? Right. So they kind of sweep it under. Yes. The rug. Mm. So, that's. Uh, I know it's tough. Mm-hmm. So Michelle, her boyfriend Jeremy, and her two brothers Sean and Scott went to the Paramore concert at the St. August. Um, St. Augustine Amphitheater mm-hmm. on the evening uh, of September 2nd, 2010. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of tension between Michelle and Jeremy that night. The couple argued as became, like, the argument became more frequent towards the end of their relationship. Yeah. And bef- they argued before, during, and after the concert. Like, you ever been around, like, a couple who just... What are you making that face for? You mean like me and my husband? No, <laughs> not like you and your husband. Um, we play argue. A no, lot. but like, you know, just you almost yeah. don't want to invite them. And I, mm-hmm. I, I want to say who I'm thinking of, but you. Oh, <gasps> yeah. From college, but you know. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. 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 Like it's like don't even invite them. Mm-hmm. Like that. Because it's gonna be drama. Yeah. Um, so Michelle's brother Sean stated that Jeremy looked pissed off while at the concert. And at one point, Sean just asked him, like, hey, if you're not going to have fun, like, can you scoot over? Do you mind scooting over and, like, letting me enjoy the concert with my sister? And so Michelle and Jeremy swapped seats, and then Michelle and Sean, like, began dancing. And he was rocking out to the Paramore concert. Right. Don't sit there, like, bumping along. Mary mm-hmm. and I have been to a concert with two bumps along. It was freaking miserable. And nobody was fighting. They just... Sat there the whole time. Yeah, and me and Ariel were turning up. <laughs> All right, so I want to take a minute to back up a little bit. Before the concert, earlier that day, mm-hmm. Michelle had lunch with her sister Chrissy. And during that time, Michelle discussed looking for a new apartment and breaking oh, wow. up with Jeremy. Mm-hmm. So, like, they were, like... She had, like, an exit strategy. Yes. Or she was beginning to get an exit strategy. Yeah. And that's the thing. <laughs> it's with hard to violence. get out when, yeah. with domestic violence and... When you leave is it's when worse. Yeah, is the most dangerous uh-huh. too. So especially if your partner finds out that you're planning to leave, you know? Which we're gonna, or you're wanting to leave. Yeah, we're gonna touch on that in a second because Oh, sorry. No, no, it's fine. Like it kinda ties into what I wanted to say, but um Michelle also told Christy that she knew there was gonna be a fight that night because Jeremy was gonna want her to go out after the concert. And Chrissy told Michelle, like, don't even go. And she's like, mm-hmm. no, I bought the tickets. I'm going to go, you know. Yeah. 
So Chrissy just felt something bad was going to happen, but she went anyways, and Chrissy babysat Lexi, mm-hmm. her daughter. So during the concert, Michelle sent some misleading text messages, and this is like a key point, a key piece in the, this case. The messages that Michelle sent to Chrissy said, promise me one thing, and Chrissy said, huh? And Michelle responded with, Lexi will always be happy and have a good life. And then Chris, Chrissy asked her, like, promise you what? Mm-hmm. And Michelle answered her with, that no matter what, Lexi will always be safe and loved. And Chrissy asked, what's going on? I'm scared. And Michelle, as Michelle was leaving the concert, she sent her, like, one last text to Chrissy and was like, I'll be there soon. Thank you. So Michelle was planning on picking up Lexi that night from her sister after the concert. Mm-hmm. Her very last text ever was sent to her brother Scott saying, Lexi, never forget. That's it? Mm-hmm. That's odd. So on the way home from the concert is when Michelle broke up with Jeremy. On the way home. <clears throat> was he driving? Uh, I'm not sure. Because that's probably not a good idea. But right. Anyway. So according to Jeremy's interview, so you know how that goes, he then asked if they were breaking up, and she told him yes, and that she would have her stuff out by the weekend. So they raised their voices with one another, they argued in the car, and then when they got to the house, they were fine. What day was this? Do you know? The, the second. September which was, 2nd. Do you know what day, day of the, the week? week? No. Because no, it said by the weekend. I was what, just wondering. Right, like if it was a midweek concert? I don't know. Um, Hang on. i got to know, because it's going to bother me. I'm about to look like a creep and go back 10 years in my... Oh, God, a whole decade. Uh, September 2nd, 2010. That was a Thursday. Yeah. So, by the end of the weekend, I guess, yeah. Like three days. Okay. About an hour later, after they got home, Michelle was dead. What? Yeah. Oh, God. So, Michelle, I'm sorry, Jeremy phoned 911 and told the dispatcher that he thinks his girlfriend shot herself. Hmm. Michelle died from a gunshot wound to, like, to her mouth, like, mm-hmm. in her mouth. Yeah. The gun used was her boyfriend's service weapon. Oh, God. The tactical light on said firearm was on, and the holster and duty belt were right next to it, off to her left. Mm-hmm. When officers arrived on scene, they located Michelle in the master bedroom, and Jeremy crouched down on the master bathroom floor. Hmm. Um... Jeremy's duty weapon was off to Michelle's left side, like I said. Is she left-handed? By the look on your face, I'm going to guess no. No, she's not. I, I covered, I talked about that. Um, Jeremy was removed from okay, the Okay, let me stop you because I'm not a police officer, and that is the first thing that I just asked you. Right. Like. You have a zero, not like training. Right. Zero knowledge. Gee, thanks. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> no, but yeah, like, I mean, but that's common sense. If you're right-handed, I mean, well, I mean, I guess if you shoot it yourself in your mouth, it could technically fall either way, but if you have it in your hand, wouldn't your hand still when go? When I tell you, it was inches away from her left hand. Or does your, well, I guess when you shoot yourself, does your hand go limp and the gun could just fall either way? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. It depends if it was if it was instant, like. But her hand wasn't like holding the gun. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. Sorry. Um. Continue. So Jeremy was removed from the room, and at that time is when Detective Deborah Maynard smelled alcohol on Jeremy's breath, and he was also showing a lot of anger. Hmm. Like he wasn't crying. 
Like he would, he didn't look like a typical. He was grieving. angry. No. Which, you don't know how people are going to react to these things, so I try not to judge. But you know, and I mean, it, they were at the concert, so he was. I guess it makes sense that yeah, he would yeah. have alcohol in yeah. his breath, but. Um, and I can I can attest that working in law enforcement has made me numb to a lot of the ugly, ugly things that happen in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, Ariel sent me a story about something, and, like, I'm literally unaffected because I've read police reports that are 20 times worse. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, it, it sucks. Like, I'm, like... That you're desensitized yes, to it like that. But yeah. maybe that that was it. But, I mean... Oh, yeah, because he is in law enforcement. But, so. I mean, but it was his freaking girlfriend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, How long had they been together? Uh, a year? I think a year. Yeah. Detective Maynard had never met Jeremy's girlfriend before, so in order to posit- positively identify her, she went into the kitchen and found Michelle's purse on the kitchen counter. Is that, like, Like, normal? she didn't... Can they do that? Can they, like... I, I mean, I guess. Oh. Um, anyway. the, the style purse that Michelle had allowed Detective Maynard to physically see inside of her. Like, it was just one of those purses where you can, like, literally just see open, everything. Yeah. yeah. Without, having, without having to touch anything. And Detective Maynard could clearly see two prescription bottles with Jeremy Banks' name on it. The bottles were empty, but inside of Michelle's jean pockets were 50 pills, including hydrocodone, which is what one of those prescription bottles were for. There was no suicide note, no. Uh, no suicide note. Well, so, uh, what? Yeah. She, so she's just hanging out with pills in her pocket? Like that we're don't su- belong to her? That don't belong to her? Yeah, we're supposed to believe that? And I saw the picture from a crime scene of the hydrocodone pills, which were like kind of rectangularly round mm-hmm. white pills, and there was another kind of pill. And I looked up on the pill Bible, is what they call it, mm-hmm. um, and it was hard to make out the inscription on the mm-hmm. pills. Um, it was numbers, and I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what those other pills. Like they were yeah. small orange round pills with orange, hmm. like Lexapro. Or isn't Lexapro orange? No, not these. They were like no. glossy. Like it yeah. was, and then like in the pill bible, they like show you like mm. pictures, and like none of the ones that I found yeah. were similar. So I don't know what those were. But regardless of what it is, why would she just have that in her pockets? Right. Like fishy. Yeah. Okay. So, other employees of the St. John's County Sheriff's Office began to arrive on scene, even off-duty employees. Yeah, of course, because I'm sure everybody was calling everybody, like, yeah. one of our own. Mm-hmm. Um, like, once it comes across the cat screen, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's fair game, I guess. Like, yeah. everybody can just... Mm-hmm. So, Jeremy was seen huddling with police officer friends and family. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, he should have he should have been sequestered. Oh no, I agree. Um, everyone that was just like you sequester witnesses, mm-hmm. and, right? Well, and interview them separately. But like, if something happened tomorrow, like if my say my husband turned up dead and it's looking like a suicide, they wouldn't just let random people walk into my no, house, walk are, into my crime scene. Like right. you know, you were gonna be taken downtown to stop you're gonna be solitary and right. you're, they're not gonna allow anybody to speak to you right but, but because, because he's he was a, cop, a brother because he was a cop right? yeah a brother he brothers in blue yeah right so the rules don't apply to him in this situation and because from the jump 
he called it in as a suicide. So everybody's mindset was suicide, suicide, suicide. So another agency, which I'm going to talk about here in a little bit, um, it just depends on what state you're in. Um, right. Here it'd be probably Louisiana State Police Investigative Bureau, or in um, Georgia it's GBI. Georgia, yeah. it just depends. But here Oklahoma's it's, OSBR. Oklahoma so here it's FDLE, Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Mm-hmm. They, so they should have been requested. They're like the statewide. Yes, but they should have been requested from the jump. Right, like when, conflict of interest. When they take this nine one one call, they're like, oh. One of our They own. need to go up the chain of command. Like, yeah, if like, something happened like this, we'd have to notify our sheriff. Right. And probably the patrol supervisor or maybe his supervisor would request, look, we this is, we need the big guns for this. Oh, that was a terrible, uh, terrible use of that uh, analogy. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but they needed to recuse themselves. Yes. So? Like, immediately, and they didn't, obviously. Right. right and like no and like Jeremy got to mingle with his peers for a while oh before God. he was even interviewed which at what point he was interviewed inside of a police unit on scene what they didn't even take him to an interview nope. room mm. so by he was interviewed by detective Jessica Hines so during his interview Jeremy stated he was sitting on his motorcycle in the garage when he heard a pop he said at that moment he knew exactly what it was like he had no doubt and he ran inside of the house and realized the bedroom door was locked. So he started calling her name, and he heard a second pop. He went into the living room, grabbed the phone, and then went back, and he kicked the bedroom door in. Mm-hmm. And this is when he observed her laying on the floor. All of the officers on scene were throwing around the word suicide. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like they didn't even treat it as if it was anything else. And, of course, if you go in there thinking it's a suicide... You got tunnel vision to that. And that's the evidence that you're going to find. You're going to yeah. find the evidence to, to, co- to co- coincide. support that. Yeah. Oh. That's why you don't go in there with anything. Blank slate, yeah. Yeah, like, well, you go in there knowing... With, what, with your dispatch nine, knowledge, yes. Yeah, and you go in there knowing what dispatch said, but I don't care if the caller tells you it was a suicide... You go in there and you need to make that determination for yourself. Right. Like, that's common sense. So, yeah, basically a consensus was formed and everyone was sold on 29S. Is uh, that what suicide is? Mm-hmm. A 29 is a death. A 29S is a suicide. Okay. A 30 is a homicide. Detective Heim stated, quote, I didn't have any suspicions that, was, that it was anything other than suicide, end quote. And you're the one interviewing him, so cool. Like, you're biased already. Right. And you're the one interviewing. Mm-hmm. So Detective Maynard was then instructed to make family notifications. Hold up. Back up. He says that he heard two pops. If you shoot yourself, how are... I mean... I'll get there. I'll get there. She was only shot once. So he lying. No. Anyway. <laughs> well, I guess we'll get there. So. so there was a shot in the floor. Oh. Okay. There was two shell casings. Oh, okay, so he, okay. But both of them were off to her left side. Okay. Um, Detective Maynard was then instructed to make the family notifications, and units arrive at Michelle's mother's house, and she's advised that her daughter has taken her life. Michelle's mother, Patty, knew immediately that something wasn't right, and Mm -hmm. she stated that Michelle would never kill herself and never leave her daughter without a mother. Mm -hmm. Michelle's sister, Jennifer, stated the police arrived at her house not even four hours after the death, and they... We're ruling it a suicide. Like, she had not even been 
to the NE's office yet. To have the autopsy done. Right. And they're already saying it's a suicide. Yeah. That was my issue with them showing up at her, her family's house and being like, yep, it was a, she killed herself. Right. Like, say it was a death that it's under investigation. Right. But don't sit here and la- stamp that label on right. it. Right. Or say... Or even say, like, it's looking like it might be a suicide, but we can... We're, we're definitely looking into it more. Right. Not, it was a suicide. Cut and dry. Like, And no. they didn't even interview family. They didn't interview anybody other but than Jeremy. Jeremy. They didn't interview neighbors. They didn't interview the parents to see if there was any suspicious behavior leading up to her. Like, in the weeks leading up to her mm-hmm. taking her life. Right. Like, any indications of mm-hmm. that? Like, they even said, like, can, can we give an interview? And they're like, no, not this time. Because that was their chance to, to, to voice everything they knew about dom- the domestic violence. And they didn't want to hear it. So, the day after Michelle's death, her body was brought to the St. John's County Medical Examiner's Office. Her autopsy was conducted by Dr. Frederick Hoban and... He concluded that she had alcohol in her system, but no other drugs. But she's got all these pills in her pockets. Exactly. And hydrocodone stays in your system. Mm -hmm. You know, like if she was in... Why would she have all these pills in her pocket if she wasn't taking them? Right. Like that seems like it was planted. Yeah. Fake news. And, yeah, and they were his prescriptions because they found the bottles that went with them, and they were in her purse. Mm -hmm. Now I get it. Men ask their women to hold everything. But why were they empty in her pocket and the bottles were in her purse? Right. Why would you separate them? Right. You mean why were the pills in her pocket? Why were the bottles in her purse and the pills empty, in her pocket? Empty, yeah. Yeah. I think you said empty in her pocket, but it's fine. <laughs> um, so the fatal bullet severed Michelle's spinal cord. Oh. So I, would that have been like instantaneous? I don't know. Um, hmm. I'm not going to go there, but... Hmm. Okay. Uh, so a cut and a bruise were located in like in her eye eyelid crease, mm-hmm. like right there. It was like a bruise, but then like a like the cut was in the bruise. Um Dr. Hoban believed that injury was from the ejected shell casing. Yeah. Now you know more about firearms than I do. I do. Would it not eject out of the back of the gun? Like how did, or is it the top no, of the gun? No, it's the side of the gun. The and most guns have the, the cutout on the right side of the slide. Mm-hmm. So. What side was the, which eyelid, do you know? Her right. It was her right? Okay. I just feel like, it, I don't know. But if, but if it was from an ejected shell case, then why wasn't the shell casing on her right side as well? Oh, if it shell hit her on the right. It hit her right here. It should have been over here. Yeah, on the right side. The shell the... casings were over here. Oh, God. So if a gun was pointed at her, the right side of the gun would be on this side. The The cutout for the the slot where the shell casings come out, that, it would have, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. This doesn't make sense. Dr. Hoban's ruling supported the assumptions made by the sheriff's office on the scene that Michelle committed suicide. Of course it did. Oh, it gets that much better. So they, like, cut and dry, case closed, whatever. That her poor family. Yeah. So a few days after Michelle's death, a female blogger by the online alias of Cloud Rider got wind of what happened. 
she was previously married to a police officer mm-hmm. and their relationship became violent. Oh. So like she began researching mm-hmm. cases that were similar and kind of created this platform named Behind the Blue Wall oh, wow. for victims' families to vent their frustrations and de- dissatisfaction with the cases. Mm-hmm. In fact... Like a blog? Yeah, it was a blog. Okay. And in fact, I came across um, one of the cases that happened in St. John Parish, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. That was huge. And she was on that website, too. Yeah. I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, this gave Michelle's family an outlet to voice how they had been treated by the sheriff's office right. and how and they Michelle's them. case had been handled. And this gave them a lot of attention from fellow users of the blog. Mm-hmm. And Michelle's family believes this finally put pressure on the sheriff to do the right thing. Good. The, you know, would they say the squeaky wheel gets the grease? Yep. People, you know, calling in mm-hmm. and, you know, complaining or, or voicing their concerns Drawing over attention. and over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're like, well, I guess we're going to have to do something. Right. So after four months of receiving pressure from Michelle's family and recounting his own concerns with his, with how his officers handled or conducted the investigation, Sheriff David Shore requested a new investigation to be completed by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Who they should have called. It's a little too late, sucker. Yeah. Like... So, FDLE is a statewide law enforcement agency that is often used when there's a potential conflict of interest. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Duh. Right. So. There's a conflict of interest. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. So, there are multiple conflicts of interest. And I'm going to list them. Michelle's boyfriend was a patrol deputy. Michelle's brother, Scott, was a patrol deputy. What? Michelle's mother, Patty, was a file clerk. This three. If anything, FDL should have been, FDLE should have been requested from the jump, like, Okay, now that I know the other... Yes. Her mom and her brother also work there? Yes. No. Mm-mm. And even even if they didn't have a suspicion, like, I feel like no matter what, if one, two, or three of those um, conflicts of interest mm-hmm. existed, I feel like the sheriff should have called FDLE just to make sure they do right by Michelle from the right. get-go. I feel like even if she Michelle wasn't dating a police officer... No, yeah, exactly. Like, well, I mean... No, well, then like you're going to... brother and have Oh, mom. right, right. It's what I'm saying. If one, two, or three of those, yeah. or one or two didn't... Like, if mm-hmm. it was only just one, like, if her mom was a file clerk. Yeah. You know, I just feel like mm-hmm. there's a conflict of interest. I mean, after... Oh, wait, her brother's a patrol deputy? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, wait, I'm just thinking of him, like, coming across the call. On the screen, yeah. Probably. Oh, and Well, I don't, I don't know, because... Anyway. Because Michelle, I feel like the family would have shown up there. Maybe he was oh, sleeping yeah. or something. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, for instance, when I left St. John to go to JP, um, I got a wreck in right right inside St. John Parish line. The, the, the shift that was working was my previous shift that had just left mm-hmm. a week prior. Mm-hmm. I was, it was a week into my new job. I got in a wreck in their unit. Mm-hmm. wasn't my fault. But the traffic officer got on scene, and he's like, you know what, Amanda? This is a conflict of interest. I'm calling state police. It's and that state simple. Po- and state police handled it. It's that simple. Yep. And that was just a freaking accident. Right. <laughs> like, it wasn't a homicide. Right. Or a death. So, Special Agent Rusty Rogers with FDLE was assigned to the case. Um, he began interviewing officers that were on scene that night. Most of them agreed. You mean all of them? <laughs> basically. Uh, most of them agreed with the sheriff's office r- regarding the rule on a suicide, but some did not. 
Mm-hmm. This, this kind of irks me because it's like you take an oath. Regardless if you're on duty or off duty, you take an oath to do right by the law. Mm-hmm. And some of them even admit, like, admitted, like, oh, yeah, I, just, I didn't feel like it was right. I just didn't look, investigate it any further. Someone just tripped him off his badge right now. Because mm-hmm. you took an oath. Yeah. I don't... Mm. Yeah, like you said, I don't care if that if Jeremy was your friend. I don't care if your boss like, is telling. How do you sleep at night? Yeah, I don't care if your. I mean, it might have been a situation where their boss was like, "No, this is what it is. You don't open your mouth. I don't care what you think. You don't say anything." But you this know what? what That's why at. there's internal affairs. That's why you mm-hmm. go to FDLE. Exactly. Public integrity. Yeah, you can anonymously report things, like to internal affairs or right. whatever. You know, like there are avenues for that. Like right. there, there's no excuse. I'm sorry. So, when Sergeant Scott Beaver first walked into the bedroom where Michelle was located, his immediate thought was, this isn't going to be good for Jeremy. Nobody cares about Jeremy. Like, why is that your... No, because it... Oh, it looks bad. Yeah. Okay. But I'm just like, why is he worried about Jeremy? Right. So, Sergeant Beaver also admitted that he didn't think it it went down the way that Jeremy said it went down. So, he was like... The, he was running it, or he was on on shift. Or he was just on shift. Like he he okay. wasn't because yeah, Detective the, Maynard was like, yeah, okay. Uh, well, she, I think Detective Jessica Hines was the lead, lead. detective, okay. but um, he was just a patrol that. Yeah. Okay. 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 Sorry. Um, Sergeant Beaver also stated that he worked in the homicide unit for a few years, and he was uneasy after walking into that crime scene. Then say something. Exactly. If you see something, say something. Yeah, you say that. like, hello, you the main one. Oh, gosh. Um, he stated that it didn't add up, but he didn't investigate it any further. But why? But why? So another officer that was in interview by FDLE, um, Deputy Mike Plott, stated, Jeremy said Michelle pulled Jeremy's duty weapon out of his holster and shot herself. Deputy Plot admitted that the account seemed strange to him simply because Jeremy had a retention holster for his firearm. Mm-hmm. Deputy Plot examined, explained that most people don't know how to use retention holsters. And I wish I would have brought mine, but I thought it would be suspicious if I brought it up here in the library. Yeah. So what is a retention holster, you ask? According to TargetBarn.com, a retention holster is a holster that has qualities or mechanisms that are intended to prevent the gun from being drawn or obtained by anyone other than the intended user or prevent the gun from coming loose from the holster. Which you would need as a police officer because you don't want, you know, somebody just trying to grab it when you're tussling with them. Right. It just doesn't fall out. Right. There's steps you have to take to remove it. Yeah, and I've seen yours before. Like, it's... It's, it's serious. Yeah. I've never <laughs> messed with it. I've never had a reason to. And but. I actually pulled it out when uh, you I was, probably, I was like, yeah, there's, there's no way. So there's several different attributes to um, that a holster can have that qualify as a retention device. Some examples of retention devices that keep the gun in the holster are thumb brakes or retention straps, retention or tension screws, trigger guard locks, altered draw, stroke retention, and mechanical locks. For many holster companies, the level of retention on a holster directly corresponds to the number of retention mechanisms that keep the gun from coming out Mm -hmm. of the holster. So Safari Safari Land stands out as a company that has a completely different system for uh, determining retention. The Safari Land model 6360ALS-SLS, which stands for Automatic Locking System and Self-Locking System. Mm -hmm. Um, the level three duty holster, which is the holster that I own. Is that the one he had? 
I, I don't know. You don't know. Okay. Um, requires two different motions of the thumb to release the gun. Depress and push forward the hood. The hood is the part that comes over. It's like a little yeah. loop. Mm-hmm. And then um, the activate, uh, activate the additional thumb level by pushing it back in your natural draw motion. Mm-hmm. That particular holster was required by my previous department to everyone who's on patrol and not in a specialized division. Okay. So what the average Joe should take away from all this information I just gave you is that unholstering a firearm from a retention holster is not an easy task. And I had to be shown how to unholster my gun once I bought my retention holster. And once I was shown, it still took some practice practice to get it down, to actually try to draw my weapon. Mm-hmm. So take with that what you will. Yeah. But I wonder if he had ever, like, showed her. Yeah. You know, or or she really could have figured it out. I mean, I'm sure she could have figured it out, but. I'll, I'll, I have another little okay. tidbit here in a minute. Um. So, back to Special Agent Rogers interviewing Deputy Plot. Mm-hmm. Agent Rogers asked Deputy Plot if Jeremy was known to have an explosive temper. Deputy Plot confirmed that Jeremy had temper issues. Jeremy's temper was described as uncontrollable by mm-hmm. Deputy, Deputy Plot, especially when he drinks. Hello? And he had alcohol in his Yes. Stuff. He admitted in his interview to Jessica Hines that he had bad, bad uh, bud like the big ones. Which forties? Like which, whatever. Yeah. But if your history adds up to this, and you're uncontrollably angry, especially when you drink. Yeah. So Jeremy was known for getting pissed and throwing stuff. Mm. D- it, describing someone's anger as uncontrollable is like extreme. That's like I can't think of the right word. That's like um, very strong word to use. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm. Not shocked, but, you know, I'm, like, kind of taken aback that you're going to call someone's anger uncontrollable. I think like of, like, like, uncontrollable, like a child who has, like, diagnosed behavior issues, like. hmm Right. In 2013, a New York Times reporter, Walt Bogdanich, caught wind of this case and began his own investigation into Michelle O'Connell's death, as well as how police departments deal with domestic violent cases that involve their own. Bogdanich reviewed the case with Jerry Finley, who re- who was somebody who reconstructed crime scenes. Mm-hmm. So he, like, hired, like, this like he specialist. Was, like, he was a badass. Like, he hired his own specialist. Um, he didn't do... I think he just interviewed him, but this guy did some work for FDLE. Oh, okay, okay. Finley's conclusions were crucial to FDLE's investigation. Hmm. FDLE had contacted him to see if a manner of death could be determined in this case. Yeah. Like uh, suicide, homicide. Mm-hmm. Okay, so cause of death is with a the medical, gunshot wound is, is med- medical, and yeah. manner of death is, is suicide, homicide, yeah, natural, natural causes, undetermined. Okay, yes. okay. So I get confused. So usually, cause of death is super specific, like severed spinal, severed spinal cord would have been in her like gunshot yeah. wound. Yeah. So apparently, evidence was collected from this crime scene, but was never sent for analysis with during the the sheriff's investigation. Hello? Like, why? But why? Like, why? why? Because he, he wears a badge, you're going to omit all of this evidence? Like, mm. y'all should be investigated as a department. Right. Oh, my God. So, seriously, we got some eye rolls going on in here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Finley examined said evidence, which showed that there was no blood on the gun. None? None. If it's in your mouth? Oh, but just wait. 
This is very strange for the type of injuries Michelle had. And also, note there was no DNA belonging to Jeremy on that weapon. It's his duty weapon. Only Michelle's DNA. If that's his duty weapon, it should have been loaded with DNA. What does he do? Wipe it down every day? Uh, I'm, I'm willing to bet, and this is my own personal opinion, that he wiped it down that night. If there was no blood, right. no none of his DNA. And I'm sorry, maybe he doesn't draw his weapon when he's at work. Maybe You know, you're an yeah. officer, you don't draw your weapon. But let me tell you something, if I was a patrol officer, I would make sure that my, I would dry fire it every day right. before shift. Right. Oh, I would God. make sure my, I would release the magazine, make right. sure, you know, unchamber. It's working correctly, like so it is. Yes, it. this is going to save my life. If you need Why it. Why would you not check your gun? Look, something is not right here. That is just, like, really extremely fishy to me. Yeah. Um, something is not right here. No. Finley also found the location of the recovered shell casings to be suspicious. Which Same. Yes. So the location indicated that someone left-handed mm-hmm. would have fired the gun. Michelle is right-handed. Jeremy is left-handed. No, he's not. Yes, he is. So no. Finley believed oh that the injury to her eyelid was from the front side of the weapon. Based, like he pissed like a pistol whip? I don't or? know. Um, based on the evidence provided, Jerry, Jerry Finley believes that it was more consistent with homicide <gasps> than suicide. And he's been reconstructing crime scenes for 41 years. Was he not involved in Michelle's um, Michelle's investigation with the FDLA? Yeah. He was? Yes. So, so, so wait, this is I'm in confused. 2013. Oh, okay. So, like, the New York Times reporter, like, went talked to him and interviewed him, recounting everything because it's fishy. Okay, but we still don't know what their findings were overall, FDLA. You haven't gotten there yet? No. Okay. So after FDLE took over the investigation, they interviewed Jeremy and Michelle's neighbors, who were never initially questioned. According to one of Michelle's neighbors, she and another person were outside in the garage, and she heard arguing coming Mm. from Jeremy and Michelle, the the area Mm -hmm. of their residence. She heard yelling. She heard a female scream the word help, and then she heard a gunshot. Why would you scream help before you shoot yourself? The female yelled help again and then heard another gunshot, and it was silence. That's the two gunshots that he, the two pops that he mm-hmm. said he heard. Heard from the garage. Right. Allegedly. F- yeah. FDLE considered their statement so significant that they asked the Secret Service to conduct polygraphs oh, wow. on both of the witnesses. Um, they both passed, mm-hmm. and Agent Rogers then presented the new case to the M.E., who initially ruled it a suicide. The ME stated that the witness statements were so persuasive that he changed his mind. Oh, wow. He amended Michelle's Mm. death certificate stating that she was shot by another person and that her manner of death was a homicide. Oh, wow. Three years later? Um, Or around? No, this was... 2013? No, 2013 is when the New York York Times interviewed. This was four months later. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, when when FDLE stepped in. Right. but don't be too hopeful, by the way. Yeah. Girl. <laughs> FDLE submitted their findings to the local prosecutor, R.J. Larissa. Shortly after, investigators from his office asked the O'Connell family if they could investigate it further. They asked Michelle's mother, Patty, for permission to exhume her body. Oh, God. 
without hesitation, like she jumped on it. She agreed. Mm-hmm. She was immediately optimistic that they were going to find something. So she's like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And they tell Patty they would be in touch with her. And no one ever called her. So they just exhumed her body for no reason and they're not telling They didn't Patty. exhume it. <gasps> oh, they never did? And from not what I read, like I thought they did. But like, as I kept like watching this documentary, like. You would think they would have told her something. So the case is now unfolding, mm-hmm. like the new investigation. Right. And Larissa asked the Emmy to hold off on filing the amended death certificate because the the case was about to take a new direction. Look, I'm so, that is not your place. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's the unethical. Emmy, yes. That is. The Emmy needs to do the Emmy's job. And you, as what is he? He is a prosecutor. You need to do your job. That is com- That needs to be completely separate. Church and state. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. You, n- <laughs> just like a police officer's opinion should not sway an ME's opinion. Mm-hmm. Like you need You're to n- do it based on the evidence and per- you, presented. You need to, you. to not be involved. Let me guess. He did. He held off. Lar- yeah. So Larissa then asked to be recused due to his close relationship with the sheriff's office. My so, eyes just came out of my head because so, I'm so hard. <laughs> Florida's governor assigned a new prosecutor to the case, Brad King. Was he any better? No. He stated that his main goal was to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Jeremy Banks committed a homicide. He got the opinion of three medical examiners who all voted to suicide, one of them being Dr. Hoban, who was the one who changed his mind from homicide back to suicide. Wait. Suicide, homicide, suicide. He changed it again. So he never, he never filed the amended death certificate. Oh, my God. So, like, once he changed his mind to homicide, he changed it back again. So, Dr. Bulich, who took over from Dr. Hoban, like, he replaced Dr. Hoban, I guess, after retirement or whatever, um, stated he inherited Michelle's case. He wasn't necessarily interviewing it. I mean, um, investigating it. He was just kind of, like, for his own curiosity and his own knowledge. Like, looking through the files? Yes. Um, he advised that it was apparent to him that it was a suicide. There was this this guy. I, I'm going to have to show you this freaking video. In fact, let me show you this picture from my research. Um, I don't think I'm going to include it because it is kind of graphic and people probably don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> on their social media because it's like, whoa. It's probably like one of those see photos that if mm-hmm. I, I did post Uncover. it. Yeah, um, but it, it's a picture of how he thinks Michelle took her own life. And, um, the second doctor? Yeah. So I'm going to show you, but I don't want you to say anything because I'm going to talk about it. So here you go. <laughs> like, it, I mean. That scene. Mm, okay. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why he's a lunatic in a second. Okay. You said not to say anything, so. Okay. But, okay. So, um, there was talk about the lack of defensive wounds on Michelle, which is part of the reason why they claimed it to be a suicide, that there was no struggle. One of the officers on scene that night said that it was hard for him to believe that Michelle just stood there and let somebody put a gun in her mouth. But if there's a history of domestic violence... And she's scared of him. And he maybe did it before and didn't pull the trigger. We don't know. Yeah, true. You don't know when you weren't there. The only people that know are Michelle and, and Jeremy. Jeremy. So 
he could have done this umpteen times before he actually pulled the trigger. True. And what is she going to do? Hit him? Then he's really going to kill her. Right. Well, I mean, right. what do you do? That, mm, especially with the history. like Right. And so, at that point, you know, if he's being threatening with her, she's probably just trying be anything. Be submissive. Yes. Be, yeah, anything to get him to, to, just, to talk him down. Yes. I mean, how... how I know. It, it, it really boils my blood. So, Dr. Bulich developed a new theory. <laughs> this is where we're getting with the picture. He, he developed a new theory regarding the injury to her eyelid. He believes that Michelle shot herself with the gun upside down and that the tactical light, which is typically under the barrel, um, struck her in the eye from the recoil. Why would you shoot a gun upside down? Well, there's many. If, you, if anybody who ever shot a gun will know automatically that this is... And before I even, like, got through this little mini-sode, some of the things I had already jotted down they ended up talking about because of, I do have knowledge with firearms. I don't know anything about a shotgun or a rifle. That's not my... I would wish I could go hunting with a handgun, but I can't. Um, <laughs> so the argument was that the recoil from the firing weapon, from firing the weapon, would make the gun move toward her face. If you've ever shot a shot a gun, shot what kind of word is that? Shot. You draw your weapon. Your arms are stiff. Here. When you pull that trigger, it comes this way. Yeah, it comes back. Because that's how science works. Yeah. So. So with the barrel in her mouth, it went went away away from from her her face. face. Exactly. And there was a ballistics expert who tested this theory, and it was wrong, wrong, wrong. So. Doctor. I mean, what makes him qualified to to have? To come up with this He's an idiot. asinine theory. Um, I on the way home I'll let you watch this video. It's we're re- we're re- stupid. It's like we're stupid. <laughs> like I don't want to say that word because it's not nice. But so the way he said like in the video that I'm let you watch, it it was ridiculous how he thinks like he must have never ever shot a gun before the the new wow. Emmy like his. His brain's not right. I mean, I don't own guns, and I don't know much about he them. He needs to but stick to cutting bodies and not shooting guns because right. he's like a I doctor. Said, like, yeah, you know. like I said, I don't know much about guns, and I don't own guns. I don't shoot them. I don't. But I would never try to put a gun upside down in my mouth and shoot it. Like, what? And then the recoil goes t- toward, like, it would go not towards her face. It would go away, away from, from her because face. Because of the way it's facing. Because of the way it's facing. Yes. So, what an idiot. <laughs> Wait, it gets so much better. So well, or worse. Right. Well, uh, he gets kind of like looks like an idiot. So I would say better. So Walt Bogdanich, who was the New York Times um, reporter, reporter, provides Dr. Bulich with a replica of the gun used in Michelle's death and asks him to demonstrate how he believes Michelle killed herself. <laughs> the gun is holster. Mm-hmm. In the same type of retention. Same holster. retention. Okay. It is so funny. Um, is this a, is there a video of this? Yeah, but it's in the oh video. It's God. hilarious. I couldn't stop. I watched it several times. But And to be clear, it's hilarious because the doctor looks like an because idiot. Because he proved, like, he still believes, like... And he's proving his own theory wrong. Exactly. Okay, continue. Um, continue. So after minutes of watching him fight with the holster, he said that he doesn't know how to do it. And he's like, can you help me? Like, I don't, I don't know how to get it out. He's, like, trying to, like, you know, like, those snap buttons mm-hmm. he's trying to like unsnap the side of the hood mm-hmm. and i'm like oh, stop you're gonna ruin it like 
So, but, but that 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 further, you know, proves that proves he's that, an idiot. No, I'm just saying that further proves that like oh, not that. the thing about the holster that we said. But that like Michelle could, yeah. Not everybody like the normal lay, layman, right? So layman um, wouldn't know how to do it. So Bogdanich helped him, which brings up the question: What makes anyone think Michelle would have done any better than Dr. Bulich when removing the gun from its holster? Mm-hmm. Dr. Bulich says that he probably would have figured it out if he had more time, but he understood Bogdanich's point. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Bulich then demonstrates how he believes Michelle took her own life with the replica firearm. He holds the gun upside down in his right hand. I wish I wanted. I wish I had a replica. Um, he angles it so that the tactical light is in the area. It doesn't quite reach mm-hmm. her eye. It's kind of lower. So he's holding. Is the tactical light like a like a laser, like a sight? It's just a light. Oh. It's like a flashlight that, oh. that goes oh. like oh, it's oh, like oh. under. Gotcha. So gotcha. it's upside down. The light would be right here, and he he put the barrel in his mouth. He kind of angled it to where the light would be closer to her eye. Mm-hmm. Um, he places his thumb on the trigger like this. Oh, okay. So he's got the the handle of the gun here. His thumb in the trigger hole. Yeah. And then he, um, this means his left hand is under the gun. Yeah. So, meaning he's essentially holding the slide of the gun with his left hand. His you mean pink, like the top of the gun? The slide, yeah. Yeah, the top. So. Would that not hurt? His pinky was on the back end of the slide. Mm-hmm. So at the top. But right. it was upside down. Mm-hmm. So, now I'm not sure what kind of gun this was, but it was a replica and it looked very similar to a Glock which is the type of gun that I own and before I made any modifications to my firearm and before I learned about my gun I pinched my hand with the slide now imagine holding you you got the gun here right mm-hmm. so like this when that when you fire it that slide, that comes, slide back. comes back that's what I was going to say if, if she you, held it that way exactly if you're if, she would have had injuries if this part of your hand is too close to that slide it'll come back and pinch you mm-hmm. now I have a modification she, now so it doesn't pinch me anymore well and by this part of her hand she's talking about the piece of skin between your thumb and your forefinger right and it is y'all can't see Amanda it is though. it is not comfortable like it hurts um Meaning when you pull the trigger, the slide comes back and allows the casing to be ejected, but right. then the slide moves forward. Yeah. The way that Dr. Bulich was holding the gun upside down during his demonstration, I can guarantee Michelle would have had trauma if not to one, if not one, but to both of her hands. Yeah, that's, and there's yeah, no I, doubt. I just said she would have had and injuries and saying. they didn't find any. When the, when the ballistics expert re- actually fired the arm, he had gloves on, like uh, latex gloves, rubber gloves. Yeah. When he took off his gloves, he was bleeding. So that just proves it again. That so she couldn't have shot at the way that he's saying that she did. No, not she could have, but she would have had well, trauma well, to her hands. Well, yeah, her exactly. pinky, her thumb. Her, I mean, maybe her palm. Yes. Hmm. But back to the new prosecutor, Brad King concluded uh, that there was no sufficient. There was not sufficient evidence to file charges against Jeremy Banks and. Leads me back to the negligence of the way that this crime scene was handled from the get-go. If they would have walked in and treated it as if a homicide and then figured out, hey, it really was a suicide, then nobody would be... Questioning it like everybody is now. Or if they would have called in FDLE from the beginning. Exactly. Where are we now? Like, is it just... It's it's closed? Yep. Suicide case closed. Yep. 
Her poor family. Yep. So I believe that the integrity of the crime scene was a big, big yeah. no-no. Uh, I believe the respondent officers didn't treat the scene as if it was a, a murder just occurred. Right. Like the police officers, his little friend, little friends. That sounds bad, but his friends that like weren't even on duty were yeah, they walking were in and out of rubbernecking, that crime, basically yeah, walking in and out of that crime scene. And uh, like I said, if I, something happened to my husband tomorrow or uh-huh. tonight, whenever that wouldn't happen, they wouldn't allow you to come over and no. walk in the crime scene, right? Like, I'm you have to preserve the person. integrity of the crime scene. Um, I feel that they had their mindset yeah. on suicide. Yeah. They had told them from the moment he called them one yeah. to say his girlfriend killed herself, and they never second guessed. And it. I'm, I'm sure on the 911 call he was like, "Oh, did he say he identify himself as an officer?" Yes, because at first they thought he was a woman because he was he was crying like it was believable. He, you know, he gave the address, and he was like, I think my girlfriend just shot or something. He was crying, and she's, he's like, she's like, ma'am, ma'am, call. He's like, no, sir, sir. She's like, calm down, man. And she wasn't here. She's like, listen, listen, listen up. And then he calmed himself down. He collected himself, and he's like, look, I'm an officer. I'm Deputy Jeremy Banks. I'll work, I'll work with y'all. Oh, okay. and, he, and then, so that, I guarantee you, if a good da- dispatcher was on that phone, she put all that in there, mm-hmm. in the initial dispatch. That's just so heartbreaking for her family. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Mm. And, like, that there's no resolution. Like, it, I mean, it could take somebody else coming in, like a new DA or something coming in yeah. and, and taking another look at it. Because like, that has happened. Right. But, like, I mean, I guess FDLE doesn't have anything. Like, they don't have any power because the jurisdiction is St. John County. Yeah, sure. and then um, your prosecutor recused himself, and then now the new prosecutor is just kind of going would, along with what they say. But like, like I said earlier, would there not be? Would every single prosecutor not have a conflict though? They work with the officers. Yeah, they would have a conflict. That's what, I'm, what saying. I'm saying. Is like I you're said not going to find a prosecutor that doesn't have a conflict. I mean, if you have to find a good ethical one, yeah. And and Mm -hmm. sticks by the law. Like like I said earlier, if who wants to tarnish a relationship between, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, justice is justice. No, I agree. But. No, and I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I, but you're right. You'd you'd have to find a prosecutor that's going to be. Objective. Yep. And, and make the hard choice to, you know do what's necessary even if it turns out that they think Jeremy is um, you know guilty I mean yeah uh, something is definitely not right yeah in this case so alright so we just want to leave you guys with this um, if you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence there are resources and help available you can call 1-800-799-SAFE S-A-F-E or visit www.thehotline.org to learn about how you can identify signs of domestic violence. Their advocates are available 24-7 to provide the support that you deserve. No names, no fees, and no judgment, just help. Additionally, if you or someone you know struggles with suicidal thoughts, you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org. The Lifeline provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people in distress, prevention and crisis resources for you and your loved ones. We can all help prevent suicide. 
So we just kind of wanted to include those in there because, yes. you know, they were pretty relevant to mm-hmm. our topic today. Yeah. But that's the case of the mysterious death of Michelle O'Connell. Thank you for listening to Homicide Homegirls. If you enjoyed today's episode, head on over to our Facebook page and leave us a review or rate us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you want to be the first to know when an episode is released, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Homicide Homegirls, Facebook at facebook.com slash Homicide Homegirls Podcast, and Twitter at Homegirls Pod. If you would like to suggest an episode, use the form located on our Facebook page. Once a month, we plan to answer fan-submitted questions in a segment we like to call hashtag AskTheHomegirls. So be sure to use the form on our Facebook page to submit your questions. 